1: Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex August. The opening practice running for the Tuscan Grand Prix took place today at Mugello, and that's the topic for our latest bite-sized podcast. Now, as I work on my post-practice feature analysis of today's pecking order, for Autosport.com+, which as usual, you'll be able to read on Friday evening, I'm going to hand over to my colleagues, Autosport's technical editor, Jake Boxall-Legg, and our F1 reporter, Luke Smith, who will guide you through all the big talking points for today's F1 action in Italy. Over to you, Jake and Luke.
2: Formula One made its long-awaited on-track debut at Mugello on Friday with practice for the Tuscan Grand Prix. The fast-flowing circuit was always expected to be a hit with the drivers, and so it proved, as most of the field came away with a big smile on their face, although their necks may feel it in the morning. Valtteri Bottas was able to continue his recent streak of Friday heroics as he topped both FP1 and FP2 for Mercedes. He had Max Verstappen for close company in FP1, leading the session by just four hundredths of a second, before finishing two-tenths of a second clear of teammate Lewis Hamilton in second practice. Renault looked to be the best of the rest in the midfield fight, as Daniel Ricciardo and Esteban Ocon took P5 and P6 in second practice, while McLaren had a more difficult day, as Lando Norris crashed out on FP2, becoming the first victim in Mugello's lack of runoff area. Ferrari also kicked off its 1,000th Grand Prix weekend with a rare positive after a surprise run to third place in FP1, courtesy of Charles Leclerc in his burgundy-coloured car. But the team came back down to earth in the afternoon, returning to its more regular placing in the mid-order, finishing P10 and P12. Joining me to recap all of Friday's action at Mugello is Autosport Technical editor at Jake Boxerleg. Now, Jake, I think let's start just with general thoughts on Mugello itself. I honestly haven't watched a great deal of racing there in the past. I know our, our motorbike man, Lewis Duncan, would be most offended by that. He loves this circuit. But I've got to say, I, I I thought it was just fantastic seeing these cars going around there, mega speeds, fast flowing. It's just pretty awesome, isn't it?
0: It is. I have watched a few uh MotoGP races around there and it's always really good fun because it's such a technical challenge um it is very much motorbike circuit in that you've got these fast sweeping corners um that we don't really see in Formula One a whole lot anymore so it's a bit of a throwback um I'm happy to see Formula One at Mugello um it's something that I've always wondered about for a long time and um it, it is finally here um I know that the the current global pandemic and everything is ruined a lot of things for a lot of people but at the same time it's given us this inexplicable situation where we've got Mugello on an F1 calendar so uh
2: yeah I'm I'm happy to see it there definitely some rare silver linings I think we can find and uh I, I think it really reminded me of Suzuka as you said it's very sort of old school very much a throwback very little room for error, which is something that Lando Norris really found out to his cost in second practice. He ran a little bit wide exiting uh, turn four, uh, dipped a wheel into the gravel. That sent him spinning into the barrier and out of the session. But even Lando himself said after the accident that he, he he's glad for that. He's glad that these mistakes are punished. And do you think that's going to be a real sort of decisive factor over this weekend that you haven't got this masses of run-off area that drivers can just take advantage of and get away with making these errors?
0: Yeah, certainly, because when you have those big runoff areas um, and as regular visitors to the Autosport live feed will attest, I frequently uh, poke a little bit of fun at uh, Paul Ricard and it essentially resembling a circuit in a car park where you can take these liberties. And if it doesn't come off, then you can just go off and come back on and everything's fine with a circuit like this. When you have the gravel trap and you've got grass and you've got runoff and you've got walls you need to be a little bit more circumspect with how you drive the car. It's very, very different around here because Formula One cars, you know, in in race trim haven't been around here. You know, people have done filming days or whatever, but you don't know where the limits are. And so having to find them while having this, the, you know, the walls and the gravel, it's walking on a very, very fine tightrope and it really sort of tests the drivers and it, it's, yeah, I think it's it's a really nice circuit to have on
2: absolutely uh we saw Mercedes setting the pace once again as we've really become accustomed to it in Formula One over the past sort of seven or eight years Has to be said but uh, was there any sort of encouragement to take from Red Bull being a little bit closer today we saw Max Verstappen getting within a quarter of a second I mean or is that really just be expected as we go back towards a more sort of high downforce circuit given how much Red Bull did struggle at Monza last weekend
0: yeah I think it is sort of a little bit more of a status quo type thing um obviously that is the pecking order uh mercedes from red bull and yeah it's good to see them close and the stappen or you know give them a bit of a run for their money in qualifying especially with you know qualifying modes and all of that from last weekend um if the honda's not too too far behind but yeah there is sort of like quite a lot of areas to catch up on um it's not I wouldn't say during the the chicanes and everything like that, it's not massively power sensitive, but obviously you've got that big straight as well, which is going to be a bit of a separator when it comes to to qualifying and going as quick as you can. Um, I think in Verstappen's hands particularly, because uh, he seems a lot more comfortable with the Red Bull, it's going to be quite a bit of a prospect, I think, around here. Um, I don't think... I think if Albon can get P4 in qualifying tomorrow, then that's a real job well done. Um, but yeah, I think Mercedes, it's just more stable, isn't it? Um, and because you have a lot of corners around Mugello that really sort of destabilizes the car, then I think the Mercedes is just going to pull out a little bit more.
2: Definitely. It does appear to be going that way. And uh, I mentioned Ferrari earlier in the show. And I think seeing a Ferrari up in third place, that's something that, yeah, we've not really seen at all this season. It's a very rare sight indeed. Leclerc uh, he was asked about it after the session. And even he admitted that he was quite surprised by that result. Uh, and he said that Ferrari basically needed to understand when good things happen, why these good things are happening. And uh he put the uh, run to third place in FP1 down to Ferrari's prior experience at Mugello. Obviously, as teams look to get back into action and, and back doing some running uh, after the uh, the outbreak of the pandemic and the delayed start of the season to warm up for the first Austria races, Ferrari rather cleverly decided to do their filming day at Mugello. So maybe getting a little bit of data from that. And the clerk said that he thought that meant they could basically go straight into the session, hit the ground running, didn't have to sort of learn the track or anything like that. And the FP2 where he finished 10th was basically more rep sensitive of where ferrari are in terms of that filming day i mean how how much can they really gain from it i mean given that it's only what 100 kilometers that's about 20 laps or so like is there really a huge amount that can be gained even from such limited running
0: i think in fp1 definitely because that's the point where you saw at the start of the session everyone was you know indulging in install laps and just taking it slowly and learning the circuit and as you say Ferrari didn't have to really do so much of that because to a degree they were already dialed into the circuit. Um, cause you know, you, you often see with the circuit that's incredibly well known, you know, Mercedes and rebel, for example, they might, you know, give it 15, 20 minutes and then they'll pop out and do their sighters. But today they were like out at the start. Um, so it, it does give you a little bit of an advantage at the very, very start, but when you start to get into the cut and thrust of your practice programs, the the uh, the advantage does sort of wane away a little bit. And I think when we got to FP two, we definitely saw that.
2: Do you think though later in the year? I'm sort of thinking about Imola, where we know we're going to have this two day weekend format. So it'll be a single practice session on on Saturday morning. Uh, AlphaTauri they were the team that did their filming day at, at Imola again, sort of a similar reason to Ferrari. Do you think there that could be like a real, real benefit?
0: I think it's definitely going to give them a little bit of a benefit as, you know, l- as later on in the season, obviously we have now had that ban on testing in new venues. So Ferrari and Alpha Tauri definitely boxed clever a little bit by going ahead of time. Um, so I think with that condensed format at Imola, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, I think Alpha Tauri will have something up their sleeve, you know, um, Gasly and Fiat will, have knowledge of the circuit with with that car. So again, when it comes to those first practice runs, and that practice session is going to be so so important. Um, they're not going to be as much behind the eight balls as everybody else. So I think they'll have a, a better run of things. I'd say.
2: And in terms of technical updates and, and sort of setup things today, I mean, what what caught your technical eagle eye out there, uh, McLaren? They they were running a new nose and some twenty twenty one bits. I understand. Yeah. So. Um
0: we'd had news that they were going to be running a new nose and Andrea Seidel said before the, before the session, it was an assessment for 2021. Um, as we know, um, we are incredibly limited, Formula One teams are incredibly limited on how many upgrades that they can produce over the off season for the cars that are essentially being carried forward into 2021. And so, and I think it might be a little bit of a loophole in that you could test them this year Uh, get as many parts on the car as you can this year in preparation for 2021 and then because McLaren is kind of hamstrung by the fact that it has to change its car to fit the Mercedes engine uh, it's going to have to need to do this a lot more Um, so yeah I think that they're just getting prepared for 2021 going for a similar nose to Mercedes which Racing Point now has which Renault now has um, that thinner profile
2: and on that as well, wasn't it McLaren team boss Andrea Sidley who said that Formula One should not be a copying championship?
0: I think he did, Luke. Yeah, um, so just, that's just uh, saying. that's interesting, isn't that? Mm. <laughs> um, you know, F one. I counted that uh, a while ago with a feature that says yes, F one is categorically a copying championship, <laughs> and everyone does it, and everyone will continue to it until the end of time. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see that convergence in the shape of the in the shape of the nose, certainly.
2: Absolutely. Uh, On oh, McLaren as well. We can't let this podcast go by without uh, a mention. Philando Norris wonderful. Radio check this morning with the the. it's Friday that fr- it's Friday. What, what, what are the lyrics to the song?
0: Uh, it's Friday then. It's Friday Saturday, then. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday
2: good. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> very, very good, Lando Norris. Well done. We also had a couple of on-track moments during the session where drivers maybe getting a little bit too close for comfort. Uh, we saw Roman Grosjean and uh, Sergio Perez in uh, FP1 have it, having an incident in the turn one. And then Perez was caught up again in FP2, uh, this time clashing with Kimi Räikkönen. There was contact between the two drivers uh, resulted in Räikkönen being sent into the gravel. Uh, Perez was able to continue. Räikkönen got his car back to the pits. We had a brief red flag so they clear up the debris. Uh, the stewards looked into it. Uh, they decided there'd be a, a one-place grid penalty for Sergio Perez, just to add to his rather miserable week that he's been having after learning of his racing point exit. Um, but Perez, he defended himself by saying, well, look, there was nowhere else I could go really to avoid Räikkönen. He was coming out of the pit exit. He said it's quite a long sort of long and thin uh, pit exit at Mugello. So it's very hard to get around turn one on any other line, basically, particularly when there's another car coming through. Um, I mean, Jake, what was sort of your view on that? Do you think maybe F1 needs to have a, have a look at sort of what they're doing with that? Uh, pit exit
0: I think um you know you could argue that he could have slowed down uh and let Ruckin through I know he's an f1 driver and f1 drivers don't want to do that but there was uh, I think there was plenty of opportunity because they you know they coalesced at the corner at the same time so I think he, he could have backed off a little bit but Sergio Perez has had a bit of a week of it isn't it uh <laughs> doesn't he because um you know he said he didn't learn of his drive until Wednesday he didn't know Grosjean was behind him uh he didn't know Riken was behind him. And it's a little bit like that character in Hot Fuzz that Bill Bailey plays. It's like, nobody <laughs> tells me nothing. <laughs> so I think Perez might be auditioning for Hot Fuzz too. Um, but he's, yeah, he's definitely had a bit of a week of it so far. Uh, hopefully for him, Saturday is a, a better day. Um, but yeah, in the news again, Sergio Perez.
2: I enjoyed that accent, Jake. I did. I, I, <laughs> know, I know Alex would probably normally uh, berate you for that, but I, I, I did enjoy that. He's uh, yeah. Not he's not here. It's our rules now. <laughs> um, as you say, it has been quite a week, Sergio Perez. And I think uh, off track today, it was sort of some more uh, talk about the driver market, uh, particularly with Perez. Uh, he, he, uh, Racing point team principal Omar Safna, who's asked about Perez's comments yesterday. Perez uh as you rightly said, said he he didn't know nothing. And uh but Safna <laughs> hit back and said that uh well, hit back is maybe a little bit strong. He responded and said that was a misnomer, I believe he called it. Uh, he said that Perez had been kept up to date all the way through, that they were in talks with Bet on what things were doing. And that he said Racing Point didn't actually reach a final decision about the driver movements until Wednesday. The moment they did, they got in touch with Perez, let him know about it. Um, but yeah, very sort of very interesting to, I guess, see that disconnect between the driver and the team. Um, I, I said to Safnauer in the press conference, I said, Checo said yesterday that he was disappointed by the lack of clarity he felt that that could help him maybe sort of get a plan b in place for next year Jake what do you think Perez's best sort of chances are for next season because he said he wants to remain in f1 but only with a competitive and realistic project that looking ahead to 2022 as well he can really get his teeth into
0: I think competitive now is going to be a stretch uh obviously there is a seat at Red Bull that is still not signed up but you know, I don't expect that to happen. Um, there, you know, there is a couple of other seats, but I think the options for Perez are Haas or Alpha Romeo, and it depends where he wants to throw his lot in. Because obviously, Ferrari has a lot of work to do with his power unit, uh, which Haas and Alpha Romeo will be the main beneficiaries of as well. Um, a lot of it depends as well. The Alpha seat particularly depends on whether Raikkonen will call it a day or not. If if he does, then that's a free seat for Paris to go into because yes the, the second one is a Ferrari driver seat and uh obviously Antonio Giovinazzi is looking over his shoulder at uh F2's current front runners, or the top three populated of course by uh Ferrari young drivers. Haas as well. Um Gunther Steiner said that he was looking at, you know, around ten different drivers for 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 twenty twenty one. Um It depends whether, again, they want to continue with Grosjean and Magnussen. I feel like that is a a bit of a stale lineup at the moment. and It needs some invigoration. And I think if they can get Perez on board, then that is a a real coup for them. Um, But again, it depends on whether Perez would be happy taking what is essentially a backwards step, really.
2: Of course. And I think to round out uh, this podcast you mentioned Red Bull there and obviously talk about Pierre Gasly what his future will be after his shock victory at Monza last weekend uh, I put it to Christian Horner in the press conference today and said would you consider taking Gasly back to Red Bull and he, he was full of praise for for Pierre but he said that it, it wouldn't make sense to make that change he said Red Bull have got to focus on working out why things aren't working for Alex Albon right now um, get to the bottom of the issues with the RB16 car and he also said that you've got to bear in mind that the change in state of the uh, Alfa team. He said it's no longer a junior team as Toro Rosso was. He said it's more of a sister team now. He said that there's going to be things such as sharing wind tunnel time between Red Bull and Alfa moving forward. So I think maybe a a bit of a different approach in terms of what that team will be for Red Bull. For Gasly, though, to have that race win and to have have performed so, so well this season, even before Monza, and then to be told, but it's not going to get you back to Red Bull what what are your thoughts on that do you think that's a, a good thing do you think he can really be the team leader Alpha tari or would you have liked to have seen his good form rewarded
0: i'm i'm torn i really am because i think Alpha tari is the right team for gazi they fit each other so so well and we've seen that pre and post tenure at red bull um and it is interesting hearing the the comments about it now being a sister team and because that does suggest that they'll they'll keep Gasly there um, with essentially improved status with a team that is now you know better funded because with cost cap um, Red Bull going to be able to put these two teams on an equal financial footing but um, it would be nice to see him get that reward. But then there is that caveat of does the same thing happen again at Red Bull? Does he go there, find himself in Verstappen's team and get his confidence knocked again? Um, And I think Red Bull's right. They need to work out what's happening with with Albon's side of the garage at the moment because it's clear that, you know, to be honest with you, whoever you put in that car other than perhaps a Lewis Hamilton or a Charles Leclerc, um, they would probably struggle just as much as well, I believe. Um, So they've got to find out what's going on with outside the garage uh i you know if, if i was there you'd probably take some people from verstappen's team and put them on the other side of the garage and sort of mix things up a bit um but i i would understand if they didn't want to do that but uh those are you know, those are my personal thoughts on the matter anyway
2: absolutely well that's all for this bite-sized podcast recapping today's action from the tuscan grand prix uh alex and john will be back tomorrow with the recap from qualifying uh we're back Also online on Autosport with all of the coverage from FE3 and qualifying on the live blog. So be sure to join us at Autosport.com for all of the news and analysis. Thank you very much, Jake.
1: Well, thanks to Luke and JBL for their thoughts and thanks to everybody listening. Just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out yesterday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash trilomusic.